Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I am here with Drew Beachler. He is the Director of Marketing at High Alpha, a venture studio that creates and invests in B2B SaaS uh, startups. He leads marketing for High Alpha's own brand while also advising and running marketing in the early days for High Alpha studio companies. Prior to High Alpha, Drew worked on content marketing and product marketing teams at Exact Target and Salesforce. Drew, thanks for being on the show. How are you today? Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing really well. It's it's bright and early on a Friday morning, so it's doing really well. Yeah, a March Friday morning, and it's not as cold um, was what I expected. Good old Indiana. <laughs> yes, so, and in the middle of March Madness, so a March Friday morning in Indiana uh, is a special special day. Yes. Oh, definitely. And you know. I think with a lot of people out there, some people probably know who High Alpha is and some people don't. And, you know, it, it's a very interesting company with a culmination of, um, it literally is a venture studio helping companies get off the ground. But, I mean, my first question kind of, um, you know, stems from, you know, you worked at Exact Target and Salesforce, you know, you know, mega companies. One got acquired by Salesforce and then Salesforce itself. And then you move over to a venture studio. And so, you know, the, it's kind of the origin story, you know, why, you know, what was the draw for you to work at high alpha? And, you know, can you explain a little bit more, you know, what is high alpha's business model? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I actually began my career as part of the or fellowship program um, here in Indianapolis. And so anybody who's unfamiliar with it, it's a two year post-grad program that kind of pairs, um, new college grads, specifically with companies in Indianapolis. Uh, they tend to be very kind of entrepreneurial companies, small startups. And I had the uh, the pleasure and really got lucky being able to be an or fellow at Exact Target. So I came out of school. I studied marketing in school, um, grew up wanting to be in advertising, honestly, and then uh, did a an internship with an agency here in Indianapolis called Studio Science. And most of our customers at Studio Science were all startups and many of them software companies and so i just fell in love with software um, specifically software as a service like the idea of just compounding annual recurring revenue was fascinating to me and kind of the the difference that you know being able to add one customer to a software recurring business versus you know if you're a services business or uh, a widgets business and kind of the the gross margins there like that just I just felt kind of fell in love with that so then being able to go to exact target that was just operating at such a such a massive scale and um, the time when I joined was right before the acquisition we got acquired by Salesforce in 2013 for two and a half billion dollars and it was um, an incredible experience to kind of start my career there and get to learn from just so many smart marketers that still are kind of all around many of the companies I work with today which is a ton of fun and so I really was able, I would say, to just learn a ton in that, those kind of first kind of few positions. Um, and then over at Salesforce as well, I would say Salesforce is probably, I still think of them as one of the premier product marketing companies in software. And so being able to kind of work on a little bit of their product marketing team while there and kind of learn some of the magic behind their product marketing just uh, function and machine there was was really uh it was really impactful and fascinating. And as I was thinking about kind of the next step in my career, I had always been fascinated by startups, been fascinated by the venture world, and really just wanted to kind of expand and 
my own kind of experience set, but kind of specifically get closer to the startup world and uh, kind of wanting to be, you know, a founder myself one day, I thought what better place uh, to go and kind of learn more about entrepreneurship and starting new companies than a company whose literal mission is just to start companies all day. And so High Alpha had started in April of 2015, and I um, joined in October of 2015 and came on as our first marketer over there and have been there for uh, a little over five years now. And it's just been an incredible ride getting to kind of see, um, you know, we started 28 companies since then and being able to kind of help build each of those companies' brands and marketing strategies from the ground up has been um, everything I thought it would be and hoped it would be. So it's been incredible. For those for those who may be unfamiliar, High Alpha, we call ourselves a venture studio. We um, we like to say that we coined the term, and I, we haven't heard anyone else come and say uh, dispute that fact yet. So we still kind of continue to say that we were the first venture studio that really was able to combine the idea of a startup studio. Uh, you know, I would say Idea Lab, that's based out in Pasadena, founded in '99, is probably one of the original startup studios you know they've taken something like 43 companies to ipo and um really kind of paved the way for this idea of like a startup factory where there's a group of people just coming up with ideas and starting new companies out of the studio and really the kind of innovation that our four partners had in the model was to take the studio idea and kind of bolt onto the side of it a traditional venture capital firm so basically we pre-raised um funding rounds for all the companies we wanted to start out of the studio. And that was really unique and innovative at the time. And the way that those two legal structures kind of incorporate is still um, pretty unique. And we've seen really across the industry, most other studios kind of pivot to that model even. And so um, here we are, you know, nearly six years later, um, just last week, we announced our third fund uh, of $110 million at High Alpha and um, yeah, I've been able to invest in 60 companies over the past six years and, and start um, 28 companies. So it's just been, it's been quite a ride so far. That's amazing traction. Um, I, I remember when High Alpha kind of started out with just, I think it was a landing page um, and, and, and how it's grown from there. And I think that's just a true testament of um, the hard work that everybody's put in um, from founders all the way to associates with different things. And I mean, I've talked to a few um, high alpha incubator companies. I actually interviewed one um, a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, Brett, McGrath, Brett uh, sorry, Brett McGrath over when they had to change their name. And it was actually right before they had to change their name, which was really funny, but it was just interesting to see um, how you've built the model in the sense of you're allowing companies to start without having to worry about um, money. Like you've already built a basis for that of, of, of like trying to accelerate ideas of taking away that, um, that burden of like how much, like what money do I need to start this and versus like you're giving, you're giving people resources already ahead of time. It's almost kind of like a baby shower as Elon Musk would has, has put it out there saying, why not put, you know, like instead of a baby shower, why not do a resources shower? For people who want to start a business, and I feel like you have, you have incubated that, you have helped with that. Um, with a, which there's a, there's been a lot of you know companies where or founders that are like, yeah, I don't have the resources and money, I don't have the resources in branding or marketing, I don't have the resources and and knowledgeability and certain things, or or finding my next CTO. 
you go you go out and do and help that and i just admire your um high alphas like aptitude and and um perseverance not perseverance but just help and guidance through that and so you know i've been kind of looking at a few different things and you and we were mentioning you know um how um how does your team help you know guide these founders and i think um one thing that um you kind of mentioned when i was asking you know what we should we talk about and you mentioned minimally viable brand instead of minimally viable product and so i kind of wanted to know how do you how do you help founders get from an idea to minimally minimally viably brand or minimal viable brand so mvb to launch like can you um break that down from break that down and seeing you know what's kind of the uh, the structure that you kind of approach this because that's it's, it's a very unique structure yeah we uh you're totally right i think everything we focus around is how do we help compress time you know so take what would take a normal startup you know, two years to get to an MVP and launching the company and building the early team and then being able to kind of raise a, a traditional seed round. And, you know, we compress that into six months, you know, for most of our companies or so. And what my team is responsible for, and it's really kind of a cross-functional team across both my team and then our design team, is running our brand process for these new companies. And so from idea to kind of launch, um, everything in between there from the brand side of things. And so we we like to talk about it as, you know, your brand is not your logo. It's the sum of the experiences that your customers and prospects and employees all have, you know, with your brand. And the struggle with all of these startup companies is that we have no customers, we have no product, and we have like even, you know, not many employees most times with these companies. And so we try to help them kind of think, back to just what is the, the core essence of your brand and you know what do we it's a lot of work around messaging and kind of brand strategy and like who are we what do we want to be when we grow up and how do we want to make people feel and so we just have an incredibly talented design team like I really can't take any any of the credit there but we kind of help usher them through that process from brand strategy and thinking about you know who we are and kind of um even a bit of messaging components and kind of positioning for the company itself and who our audiences are into the company naming process, which that can be a very fluid and process and kind of, there's not much structure there and it can be a little bit difficult um, even in terms of trademarking domain acquisitions. You know, we help with a lot of like the tactical side of things too. So naming the company kind of, we move into a visual identity process. So kind of, taking out a lot of the brand strategy, kind of where we landed with the name and why we chose the name we did and starting to build out, you know, the visual expression from a logo mark and the identity perspective, but then also just kind of the full brand expression, you know, how do we, how do we show up on social and the website and kind of, you know, even from a message, we start to play with messaging and, you know, what does, what does copy look like and how do we kind of use copy to, express our brand personality as well and then oftentimes you know we move after we kind of wrap up the visual identity process we'll move into kind of building the first marketing website for the companies we have a pretty a pretty good playbook and kind of um, template for how we do that with companies though it's always you know every company is a little bit different so like where we land and how we how we build all these out is you know is always going to be a little bit different but we'll work with them on the first marketing website uh, 
know, which is really, really important. I think a great forcing function even for kind of clarifying your messaging, you know, and you have to go back and forth and debate on what's our hero headline for your very first website going to be. Um, it causes a lot of um, good, healthy debate around just kind of, you know, who are we and, you know, who do we serve and how do we convey that? And so I find that I found that um, exercise incredibly valuable, even for the new companies. And then usually kind of culminating with um, some sort of kind of public launch for the company. I'm, I'm a big proponent of manufacturing um, kind of moments, basically, in the company's lifetime and kind of forcing using them as forcing functions, really, too. So kind of thinking of your company launch as a you know, as a pivotal news moment and as kind of a forcing function for the entire company, for the product team, for our sales team, um, obviously on the marketing side of things. And so we really kind of help strategize with the companies and build kind of that playbook and figure out, you know, what's, what's going to be the best uh, impact for the company at this stage. And, you know, do we wait and announce and kind of launch the company after we've raised a seed round or, you know, do we need to kind of get out there earlier and start to build up an audience uh, before we try to go raise a seed round. You know, there's a lot of factors, but our team really kind of helps take the lead and um, has a lot of experience around comms and media relations and uh, and everything too. So we kind of help work with our companies and on that side of things. I I love that, and I think you're talking about the quintessential of who a marketer is. You you, you have eloquently put in like some key words in there, especially like the copy. I love when marketers you know, use great copy or great language where you're like manufacturing moments in a company's lifetime. It was just other things that you've kind of mentioned um, that it was like, uh, like the sum of experience of our interactions as a brand. And, you know, I think the quintessential thing is, and you've kind of hit, you hit kind of hit upon it uh, on several instances, you know, what is the definition of your team's success in terms of customer experience for the, for, for these, um, stealth mode companies or these companies that you incubate? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really great question because we think about, you know, who, who are our customers at High Alpha as a studio? They are our CEOs, you know, and our founders. And so like when we think about kind of customer experience and successful customer experience, it's all about the CEO's experience and kind of working with us. And, you know, what I try to think about is, with the work product that we do and what we deliver to CEOs, like I want them to kind of come out of it thinking like I couldn't have done this alone, you know, and that, that back to that idea that like we did compress time, you know, that we took what would have taken two years, we compressed it to six months and we came out with a far superior product, you know, hopefully that's really what I want them to think. And so I think about everything with kind of customer experience around CEOs, it's all, very relationship based and all kind of focused on communication and over communicating setting expectations and just really showing them that we are true partners in this you know equation we're not an agency um, we're not a services firm you know these aren't kind of just projects that we're delivering to you though sometimes they can look like that but like truly you know the advice we're giving it's not to cut corners or to do things faster like it's always like in the end we have truly aligned incentives, you know, 
which an agency can never truly say to a client, but like as a studio, we truly do have kind of fully aligned incentives. And so like, if we're making a recommendation, it's because we wholeheartedly believe it's the best decision for that business. And, you know, we are kind of bought in as partners and co-founders, you know, with them in the business. And so when I think about kind of experience from that perspective, it's kind of them walking away thinking, viewing us as co-founders and partners and, that we had this impact that they couldn't have done alone and something that they couldn't like a, a, an output that they couldn't have got anywhere else either. You know, so that's where I think too, is that we, especially on the brand side, you know, I want to, I want to come out of this with a brand and traction and brand awareness that they just couldn't have achieved anywhere else, even, you know, even if they did it on their own and hired someone, like what is something of value that is just um, something unique to high alpha that we can provide. And I think that, you know, the work that we do on the brand side, you know, that's where I strive for our team to kind of deliver and um, be able to provide something that you just can't get anywhere else. That's truly kind of world-class and unique. I think that's, that's amazing because then you also attract the right kind of co-founders that are looking into that. It's almost like you've built a product process where, um, and an ideology where, um, let the people come to you. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> build the dreams, uh, let them come. Um, you know, no more grilling questions, but if you like to kind of share a story about, you know, pivotal moments, learning, you know, or successes, um, to kind of expound upon, um, what you've kind of seen, especially if you're trying to being, you know, successful with your customer experience, like successful with those, those CEOs and helping them out and seeing that true partners. Can you kind of get a story to kind of give a little bit more of a, um, a concrete examples to kind of fall into that? Yeah, that's, um, I'd love to. One that, one that maybe comes to mind is, um, you mentioned Brett McGrath earlier. He's uh, leading marketing at one of our new companies called The Juice. And they're still working on kind of an MVP, but have been pretty open in kind of their marketing, like upfront. And so I would say kind of a unique thing about The Juice um, and kind of how they went to market was that we we needed to build an audience and start marketing, you know, from from day one, which was a little unique from kind of like the high alpha playbook. And so I think kind of something that was, it kind of showcases that and Jonathan Gandalf, their CEO, um, you know, he's been working with us for a, a number of months and kind of from day one, we took this approach of, even though we aren't finalized yet, we didn't even have a name kind of finalized. We had a, a temporary kind of project name that we knew wouldn't work due to trademark reasons. And so we ended up just kind of rolling with it and kind of um, making a big push and just kind of starting launching the podcast and starting a blog and an email newsletter under even this kind of fake project name. And, um, you know, really, I would say kind of partnered together just to make, you know, every company is a little bit different, but kind of to figure out what's the best way that we can build this audience, you know, from day one and kind of um, make it worthwhile to the company and something that's going to be kind of start to build up that brand awareness. And kind of then had a very strategic view on how we switched over the brand and how we launched the brand. And then kind of in the coming months, we're going to be doing a bigger launch around the company itself and when they have their first kind of beta product ready to release. And so I don't know if that's like a great example, but that's just one that kind of comes to mind um, off the cuff here is just kind of how we partnered together and um, 
made some um, unique decisions, at least, and kind of a little kind of zig when everybody else is zagging kind of decisions to to stand out and just to move fast and uh, kind of accomplish, you know, the unique goals that we had for, for the juice at the time. I'll say from personal experience, kind of working in brand and changing a name, um, it took a while to change the name. Um, and I, I really appreciate you guys, you know, helping because I've had conversations with Jonathan and Brett and it's, it's really a true testament of how you, you, when you mentioned compression of time, but it's also strategic focus and, and it made sense of how they should announce the brand name change, why they, you know, change the name, but starting out and already building that audience because you've already built the experience, but it hasn't been cemented in the name yet. And the name hasn't, isn't formally cemented until you, you build more traction and you build more noticeability over time. And so I thought that was really smart of how you guys work together on building that out. And then just even way before product, like beta launch, like it, it was, it was, it was very instinctual and very intentional. It wasn't a miscommunication to, cause I'm, I subscribe to the newsletter, you know, I get the updates and it, it seemed a very easy transition in the sense of like, okay, I understand where they're coming from. Okay. I understand what the name changes instead of it being an abrupt where some companies just do that and you get totally lost and you're like, oh, I don't really want to deal with them because they get totally lost with everything. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, we've we also kind of play the part and have the the like deep experience where like we've done this twenty five plus times now too, and so um, where most you know I I don't know a serial entrepreneur yet I guess that I've met that started twenty five companies or done a brand launch twenty five times and so or done a funding announcement twenty five times and so when I think about that too, like we have this deep kind of experience to kind of look back on and kind of say, Hey, we've done this before, kind of trust us. And so the, the fathom to the juice, like is one of those where I think as a, as a founder, as a marketer, you place so much weight on your name and like, Oh my gosh, if we're going to have to like change our brand, like the the detriment to the brand that that's going to be. And at this early stage though, like, I mean, you know, we had this conversation many, many times with, with the juice, but it was at this early stage, we're talking about, a couple hundred people, you know, that we're going to have to change their mind. Most of them friendlies, you know, you know, Brett or Jonathan or have met them or have talked with them or emailed them at least, you know, and so like, there's no, there's not many like purely unknown people like in the universe that we need to kind of switch their perception of like the company name even. And so I think you can, like now is the best time to do it. You're right that like, especially like at a later stage, you know, I've done this with other companies like when our portfolio company tinderbox changed its name to octave and especially through like acquisitions and name changes have had to happen and there's a lot more that kind of goes into those but i think you can you can definitely overthink it a bit too where like at the end of the day kind of on the name change um if starting to build an audience is like the most important thing for the business like the true net loss of like people or attention you're going to lose is like in the single digits to, you know, not even a hundred people or kind of uh, eyeballs basically on that front. And so I think kind of it's helpful too, for us on the high office side to kind of be able to um, share that deep kind of experience with the founders, just because they've, even if they're a repeat founder, most of the time they've never done some of the things that we're doing at least. And we have a lot more use cases to kind of, um, point to and kind of share and be able to 
to share best practices and everything as well. Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of culminated that in several different great examples. And I think that the first word it came to is sticky. Like if the, if the company's too sticky, like with their name or the products or things that they use, like emails and all that kind of stuff, it's easier to change that early on and not be too attached to a name. Um, so enough about, you know, high alpha, uh, which, you know, company's awesome, but more about, you know, you drew in the sense of, you know, you get up in the morning, why, why work at high alpha? Why do, and even if it's not high alpha, you know, why do you love, you know, branding, marketing, doing this kind of, doing this kind of work day in, day out? Yeah, I, yeah, I would say, you know, I don't know if, if you've read uh, Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, but um, I need to reread it, actually. But it's it's just an incredible book. But I, I think there's something incredibly special about, you know, in most companies, when you go into a new company or a new job, you are going from, you know, th there is a number already. You're going from, whether it's a revenue number or a product, you're going from one to 10 or whatever. But there's something incredibly special about literally going from zero, something that doesn't exist to to one. And there's just a different level of um, it's just a whole different level in your brain and kind of just impact that, you know, you feel when you do that. And so I, I would say, you know, the why I get up every day and kind of enjoy what I do at High Alpha is all about that is that, you know, we get to go from zero to one five times a year and kind of create things that were literally nothing kind of prior and create these companies and help to kind of get them off the ground. And, you know, and I think about my, you know, my personal mission statement, you know, as a, as a human being. And I, I just, I want to have kind of like, you know, the greatest impact on uh, the most amount of people. And, you know, when I think about like the work that we get to do at high alpha and um, how the impact they're able to make on the city of Indianapolis, which I love. And, you know, I, I grew up here and, um, I'm just a huge fan of Indianapolis. So I think about the impact we get to make on this city, the the jobs we create, the impact on the people that get to work at our portfolio companies. Um, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that I just love and kind of gets me fired up, even more so than the marketing and the day-to-day -day stuff. It's it's the ability that we have as a as a company to be um a builder of other companies and uh help them kind of scale and grow. You know, High Alpha has grown from 10 to 40 employees over the past kind of five years, but we've gone from, you know, we've net new created probably 800 jobs just across like the studio companies. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty incredible and pretty impressive um, to me and something that I, you know, I really enjoy. I would say, you know, on the, on the personal side of things too, like on the more marketing side, like I've just, I found marketing more so maybe than any other discipline in a company has so many gray lines, you know, sales is sales pretty much anywhere you go. Like the, you know, you're responsible for closing deals and bringing in new customers, but kind of marketing your responsibilities and like what all marketing can impact is just so broad. And I, I love that about marketing. I think it's one of the most impactful functions in a business. I think, you know, if you want to, makes the argument that you should be running culture and messaging and positioning and partnerships. Like you can make that argument. And I think 
you know, you can't make that argument if you're in product or engineering or sales or many other functions. And so I find marketing to be, you know, one of the best avenues for impact on business strategy. And so that's, you know, that's what I like love about it even more than the marketing itself. But I love kind of business strategy and just being able to kind of have a seat at the kind of strategic table for the business and understand how how everything else kind of impacts um, each other within a business. I love, you know, and I, I love that. <laughs> Fellow marketer yeah. here. So, um, you know, as for, you know, not talking about business and, and work and everything, what, what do you do to kind of recharge in the sense of, you know, what do you do for hobby and what do you do for health to kind of um, bring that, um, bring your best back into your work? Yeah, I, I'm, I would say I'm like a voracious learner. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen or read a lot of books. I'm kind of constantly just like wanting to, to learn new things. I love finding a new topic and, and going deep on it. Um, I'm also just like, I would say generally a marketing and startup and tech nerd. So like the, a lot of the podcasts and books and things like that, that I read are all marketing and startup podcasts. And I just love kind of learning more about new technology and, and things like that. So like right now I'm, I've been getting into NFTs and SPACs and uh, audio, you know, from Clubhouse and Twitter spaces. I love just kind of following all of that stuff and how they're progressing. And I spend a lot of like free time just like thinking about or learning about a lot of that stuff too. I'm also, um, I love music, uh, love live music though. So it's been kind of sad to, to not be able to, to go to concerts for quite a while, but I'm a musician my, myself. I've played for the past I don't know, um, 15 years or so. And so I, I love music and have not been able to, to play too much recently, but um, look forward to kind of being able to, to get back out there and play on a stage again sometime. And then also uh, from a health perspective, I'm a big runner. My, my wife's family are, I, she comes from kind of a running family, both her brothers ran cross country and um, her sister and parents run marathons and I was roped into uh kind of starting to get into running I know a few years ago and ran my first half marathon in 2019 here in Indianapolis and um just kind of stuck with it ever since and so even specifically over COVID I've um found it was like the one thing that kind of helped keep me sane and it got me out of the house every day and so um I run probably 20 30 miles a week and um every week and have just been kind of intentionally trying to improve, get faster and kind of gives me something, something to work for. I'm kind of a, a pretty competitive person internally, uh, very intrinsically motivated, but kind of very competitive on that side of things. So um, running and kind of trying to improve has been, um, has been something that's just been keeping me going. Awesome. I mean, that, that kind of sums up everything. You're intrinsically motivated, but competitive. I think that kind of sums up everything you're talking about with high alpha things that you're doing with, you know, helping other companies, um, not just in their marketing, but just building things and building a better community. I, I, I really love that as well as, you know, being competitive. How can we help these companies be better? How can we, you know, beat out the competition and, you know, love you talking about, you know, 
why you chose High Alpha and going through all of that, the customer experience, helping the founders, great stories about, you know, with the juice as well as, you know, Tinderbox and Octave, and then just sharing about you of, you know, why did you, why do you do what you do in the sense of zero to one? I mean, it's very, very simple, but you're a constant learner and I, and I love that. So Drew, you know, thanks for being on this episode. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is a, this is a blast. And to all the Converge coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap.